Let's all worship the Lord as we sing together the hymn 441. Hold thou my hand, so weak I am and helpless, I dare not take one step without thine aid. Let's stand to sing. Let's read our psalm for today, Psalm 39. <coughs> we set our hearts before the Lord as we hear his word. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth as a bridle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence, I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an hand breath and mine age is as nothing before thee. 
Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity, Selah. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. When thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity, Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner as all my fathers were. O spare me, that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. May the Lord be pleased to bless his word to every heart. Let's be in prayer for the mission. (coughs) One final night tonight in Dalriada, the last time that the gospel will be preached there in the school. For this time, we think of the war in Ukraine. We think of Nina and Karina who have returned there. Pray for them. And we think of the girls, Maria and Daria, who have joined with us. We'll say something about that in a little while. We also remember those who mourn today, and we've learned this morning that Mamie and Jean have had a brother, Brother Danny, an aged man of around 90, who has passed away this morning, and our thoughts and prayers are with the family. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come to your house, we come, we trust in the attitude of worship, the glory in our God to exalt our Savior all we can by your grace, to make much of him who came into this world to be our Redeemer and Savior, to fellowship with God himself and to fellowship with those of like precious faith. We come to sing the songs of Zion, to praise God in the ministry of song, help us to think about what we sing and not merely sing for the sake of it, but to meditate upon the words, and to give glory to God as we do so. And whatever application there is for our hearts, both in the truths that we sing and also in the Word of God that is read and later on expounded, we pray that thou wilt apply these divine truths to our hearts. We want a meeting with God. We want to come to this house today with that confident assurance as we do so that God is not only here, but He's here to bless us. He's here to meet with us in the Word especially. He's here to commune with His people. And so we pray that you will overshadow this gathering with your divine presence and make everyone have that very conscious awareness that the Lord is here, right beside us. And may our hearts be drawn out after Him. Indeed, we would pray in the words that we've sung together, Hold thou my hand. We feel our weakness. We feel our frailty every day. But Lord, come and hold our hand and guide us through the pilgrimage of life. Every day, may the Lord be there 
to walk with us, to talk with us along life's narrow way. We pray that you will remember those that mourn. And we remember Mamie and Jean and their other sister and the family circle at this time when sorrow has come to their home. We pray that the Lord will visit with them, make his presence known, comfort them in their time of need. We commit them into your care. We pray for this day. We thank you for what has taken place already in the prayer meeting this morning and that which has been taught to the children of our Sunday school and in the Bible class. We pray for this worship service that it will be owned of God. And then for meetings tonight, Lord, both with our Ukrainian church and with our gospel mission and right throughout the country where your word is proclaimed, may there be the signs of abundance of rain. Let the deluge come. Let the mighty shower of blessing fall upon this little land. And may the hearts of our fellow countrymen be turned to God. Lord, we know that this is the answer. We know that we need a moving of God in our day. Prepare the church. Set your people on fire. May the church of Jesus Christ be ablaze for the glory of God in these days. Deliver us from coldness. Deliver us from serving the Lord with lukewarmness. Lord, we pray for that fire from on high that each Christian here will be endued with power to live victoriously in this world and to be a mighty witness. The Lord has said, ye are my witnesses. And help us therefore to go out there into the world and be that witness for Christ both in the way that we live and conduct our lives, our affairs in this world, and also in the things that we say as we share the gospel and tell men and women their need of Christ. We pray that you will bless our ministers, bless our students, remember those particularly from our own church who are, are in studies and seeking to prepare for the future. Bless them, we pray. Remember the sick of the congregation. Remember those that are burdened as we come to God's house today and we see the people gathered. We're so conscious that right here in this building and those that listen with us online, many of them are carrying burdens. Some of them we know about, some we don't know about. Burdens of health, burdens of family trouble, burdens, Lord, of all kinds out there in the home, in the community, in the place of work maybe even in school for our young people, for all we know. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows all about our struggles. And he will guide until the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one. And so we commit uh, the suffering to thee and the burdened ones into your care. We pray for the land of Ukraine, for the cessation of the war. Lord, it's been going on now all these months. Step in. In the most sovereign way, step in, Lord. We're, we're crying to Thee today on behalf of these people particularly that are with us. And bless them, we pray, and encourage them, those that have gone home and those that have come to join with us. May they know Your peace that passes all understanding for Jesus' sake. Amen. I must <clears throat> have the Savior with me. It's the hymn 423. I must have the Savior with me, for I dare not walk alone. I must feel his presence near me and his arm around me thrown. Then my soul shall fear no well.
May the Lord be with us today. Welcome to God's house as we come here together to worship Him. And if you're joining us on the internet through any of the means that we broadcast through, we're glad to have you as part of our worship service. One final meeting tonight in Dalriada School. <coughs> so the mission's been going for two weeks. It has come and gone so quickly. And tonight is the final one at seven, preceded by the time of prayer come to the prayer meeting at 6.30, come to the mission, bring others with you, and please be much in prayer through the afternoon that the Lord's blessing will be upon this last meeting together. Singing at the mission tonight is our own Hebron Youth Choir. We're looking forward to our young people taking part. 
Tomorrow morning is the TOTS group at 10 o'clock. And just maybe to make this announcement, I will be on annual leave from tomorrow until the 7th of October. If there are cases of emergency, see Phil or any of the other elders, uh, make it known to them during my absence. Thursday night, the midweek service at 8 o'clock, it will take the form of a deputation meeting because it is our missionary meeting. And Chris Killen, missionary to the drug addicts, will be here to speak on Thursday night. Youth Fellowship is due to recommence on Friday night at 8 o'clock. Reports from summer outreaches will take place. Next Lord's Day, the early season of prayer is 8 o'clock. Sunday school, 10.30. Bible class, quarter to 11. Mervyn is taking up the subject, Answers for Perilous Times, Studies in Acts 17. And the first one is a sure foundation. Worship service at 12 noon, our clerk of session, Phil Moffat, will preach the word. The Lord's table will follow. The office bearer's time of prayer will be at 5.30. And then family night at 7. And one of our former assistants, Reverend Simon Anderson from Ochnacloy, will be here to preach the word. I have an announcement to make about the visit of Courtney Harris. Very sadly, it's been cancelled. Courtney has taken on well. He is suffering with severe angina. The family are worried about him. And so they contacted us this week to say it wouldn't be possible for him to come next month. So if you've told others about this, just let them know. And we'll just see how the future goes for him at another time to come. But for now, he's not able and we commend them to you to pray that the Lord will bless them. We have these cards that you can distribute Friday night, as we've been announcing, is the 40th anniversary concert in the town hall at 8 o'clock on behalf of our Christian school, Reverend William McRae, Reverend Fred Greenfield, Milltown Accordion Band, Pastor Philip Bowes, the Kingdom Heirs, and our own children's choir from the school will all be participating and there will be an offering in aid of the school. So the leaflets are there, the cards at the door. Please take them with you. On the Saturday night, there is a rally in the Martyrs Memorial against RSE. Mr. Callum Webster from the Christian Institute is the speaker. And there are things that you need to know, and everyone is welcome. That meeting is at 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock this coming Saturday night. Please remember to pray for all those that need the touch of the Lord in their life physically, that the Lord will bless them and be with them. Just to make maybe one more time an appeal for workers, for Sunbeams, preschool, uh, so many children are uh, coming that we do need additional help. And even if you could help a little two days a month, if you can see Julie about that, we'd appreciate it. The Youth Challenge will start back on Tuesday the 3rd, of October. So just keep that date in mind and plan towards it. I'd also like to congratulate Hannah, Hannah Holmes, on a special birthday today, and we trust that she has a good day. Thank you for praying for the schools ministry. We have been busy in the past week. This was on Monday, and Christina spoke excellently on choices in Balamoney High School 
and that was to the senior end of the school. So it was just great to see so many children gathered in listening to God's Word. And then Castle Row, we were in Castle Row Primary School and had the opportunity to speak uh, to the children there. They listened very well. Then we were also back to the high school for the junior end, and that was Wednesday. And a testimony was given by our brother Greg. So again, just marvelous to see hundreds of children listening to the truth of the Scriptures. This Ligon Primary School, um, again, we had entrance there for the very first time, and Greg spoke that day. Then in the afternoon of Wednesday, it was Gary Duff Primary School to their Scripture Union, and we had the opportunity to do many things with them because we were given a whole hour uh, to talk to the children who listened very well. Friday morning, back in right here with our own children from the Christian school. And then later on, on Friday morning, we got into the Laney Primary School. And I, I was saying to the children, because they sang a piece before uh, I was invited just to do what we wanted to do, but uh, I'd never heard children singing so, I think I'm going to use the word enthusiastically. They really, really sang out. I was surprised and maybe shocked at the volume and the enthusiasm of the children. As you know, we have an ongoing ministry in India where we support 90 orphan children. Month by month, there is a package of food brought to these families, to these children, and they are being fed uh, by us and others that have risen to the, the cause just to help these children. So please continue to remember them and the opportunity that's given to those who visit in these villages to share the gospel. The past week has seen quite a distribution of shoes to the Romanian children. These are Roma children. That's the way up now in the mountains that some of you were at when you came with us for VBS. And the children were very thankful for receiving the shoes. <clears throat> and back at the church as well, where the pastors labor, the shoes were brought in for the poor children. So on their behalf, thank you in the Savior's name to all who were involved. A pallet is going to be sent to Moldovanoa in Romania. <clears throat> it's full of clothes, which will be very, very helpful now coming into the winter months just to keep these folks warm. And I want to thank those who stayed after the mission on uh, Friday night to help with this. We really, really appreciate what well, Thursday night rather uh, coming in. This was the team of workers that helped with the packing. We also received clothes for Florica's family, and we thank those who have contributed. This is what it's all about here. <clears throat> so, little girl in the middle, you remember we prayed for her, that is Maruna. We have known this family for over seven years, but this all began when Maruna took on well. They live in some of the most difficult conditions that I've ever seen. And yet, very often, when they come to our meetings, they are so beautifully turned out. And anyhow, Maruna had to go to the city of Timishwara for surgery. She got the surgery. She's doing well, recovering. But en route, uh, the pastor who brought her and her mother had the joy of witnessing to Florica, the mother, 
and had the joy of pointing her to Christ. And she's been going out to church ever since. And she sent this photograph this morning. This is three of the children waiting uh, with her to go to the house of God. So uh, this, this is great news that they're going out to church, listening to the word week by week. I want to welcome Maria and Daria, uh, Masha and Dasha, as is the abbreviated uh, words. You might be able to remember that because you know Sasha, and it rhymes just the same. So we welcome these girls. They arrived with us on Friday night, and that was them coming. And just this one video, this, this was you arriving at the church And this was the, the room that has been prepared for them, for them to stay for a little while here at the church. Just maybe to remind now the congregation and anybody else, you can let know that the, the accommodation is out of bounds down there because we have people staying there, uh, except for those services that are on, Sunday school, Bible class, whatever. But that is now some of these living quarters up there, so uh, it's private. And we want to respect their, their privacy as much as we can. Girls, we're glad to have you. And we trust that the Lord will bless you. We're going to ask you just to stand up so we can see you. We'll welcome you again. Your first Sabbath here. <clears throat> Maybe at the end of the service, you can go to the door and say hello to the congregation as they leave. You'll notice that, that they grew well. Whatever part of Ukraine they came from, they must have been fed on the good week there. And uh, they're, they're growing up so tall. The open air yesterday in Balamani, and one of the things, 16 people came to stand with us. Ryan preached the word. So again, we appreciate those that take the opportunity and the time, making the effort, to stand for Christ in our local town as the gospel is shared. We continue to pray for the war-stricken country of Ukraine, trusting that the Lord will be with the church especially, the people of God. We bring our tithes and offerings in now, and it's home mission today, remember that. We sing together 475. I do not know what lies ahead, the way I cannot see. Yet one stands near to be my guide. He'll show the way to me. All the hymns that we're singing today, very much in keeping with what I want to preach on. I know who holds the future, and he'll guide me with his hand. We'll keep our seats as the offering is received.
that is so true. So true for every one of us. And whatever you're passing through today, right across this church, everyone has their difficulties. You have your heartbreaks. You have your problems to face. And we don't know the course ahead. But there's one that understands and there's one who guides his people with loving care. And may the Lord help us to to really get the truth and the theology of this hymn into our hearts today without the music. So whatever the future, every one of you, whatever the future, we think of our friends on certain future, perhaps, and the girls that have recently come to be with us, we trust that the Lord will guide you with his hand and that you will be able to face tomorrow with his grace and with his help and just hand yourself over, over to him. Now we're turning to the 10th chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read from the 28th verse. And there is a little section here from verse 28 that I'm not going to come to just now. I may come back to it the next time, but the Lord has really just laid in my heart verse 32 for this morning. So, Pay attention to verse 32 as we read this section together, 28 to 34. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold, now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But as many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem and Jesus went before them and they were amazed and they followed They were afraid, and he took again (coughs) the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, 
and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Ending a reading at verse 34. We're about to gather in prayer, seek the Lord. Our God and Father, as we come to your precious and holy word, we pray that there will be extra special attention given over to the Lord at this time, that our minds will not wander elsewhere, that we'll not be thinking about what we're doing later today or at the gospel meeting tonight or even in the incoming week, but may there be a focus upon the Lord and a focus upon his word. We pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the blessed comforter who has been sent into the world to instruct us and to teach us. And therefore, we submit ourselves to thee. Pray for the power of God in this meeting. May our hearts be open to your word. May we receive it, act upon it, be blessed by it, challenged by it, rebuked by it, whatever the Lord has for us personally. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Fill me now with your power and grace to bring the message for Jesus' sake. Amen. And it's the words of verse 32, and I trust that you pay particular attention to that in the reading. And I'm just putting a little title on this, A Journey with Jesus. These men are on a journey. The cross is getting very near. Soon the public ministry of Jesus Christ will be over. In a study of the ministry of our Savior, we uh, often divided into certain little sections spanning over the three-and-a-half-year period of his ministry. We have what we call the year of inauguration, and that began with his baptism when he was baptized of John in the River Jordan, and the great declaration of John as the Savior approached that day Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's where it began. And that first year was his uh, year of inauguration. And then we have what the, the Bible scholars have called the year of popularity. And it actually began with his rejection in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, where he had stood up and he had uh, preached in the synagogue and explained uh, the passage of Scripture that he read, but the people of that city, the city that he came from, rejected him. And that's where this year began. But the year was a year of popularity. The crowds thronged him. Now, they always thronged him, but particularly that year. And there were many sermons preached, many parables related, and many miracles performed. The last year, or the third year, was the year of opposition. Things were beginning now to heat up, especially with the Jewish leadership. And that year began with him being rejected again in Nazareth. And we studied a little bit about that in Mark chapter 6 and the opening verses of the chapter. And then we consider the last months of Christ's ministry, beginning with the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. It's interesting to note some of the highlights of these, these final weeks before he went to the cross. And Mark chapter 10 records some of these things. His teaching 
on divorce and marriage. We looked at that. His tender compassion for little children, the beautiful scene that we have here and elsewhere recorded where he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them and rebuked the disciples who would have sent them away, suffer little children to come unto me, he declared. We have his encounter with the rich young ruler and so much teaching that centers around that, this young man that walked away from the Lord. Even though he wanted to be saved and he wanted eternal life, he went away without salvation. We have, in the light of that, the instruction of Christ on the peril, the danger of riches. We have his teaching on the omnipotence of God in salvation. Impossible with man, but all things are possible with God. And then there's a little section, we, we read it in the first part of the reading, that deals with absolute surrender. Giving your life over to the Lord. And as I say, maybe we'll get the opportunity to come back to that. And then there's this journey, this journey to Jerusalem, the other part of the the reading today. You go on to read about the ambition of James and John to to sit beside him in glory. There's a lot of things to learn there too. And then the chapter concludes with the healing of blind Bartimaeus, who cried out that day, Jesus, thy son of David, have mercy on me, and was wonderfully recovered in his sight. Chapter 11 begins his triumphant ride to Jerusalem, and and now you could say he's in the final days before the cross. But I want to ponder with you this little account of his journey to Jerusalem with his disciples recorded in the few verses of our reading, particularly verse 32. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them, And they were amazed, and they followed, and they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. I'm reminded as we think of the subject that I want to preach on from this verse, a journey with Jesus, that you and I, particularly the Lord's people in this building, we also are on a journey. We are on a journey with the Lord in this life. When you became a Christian, you started anew, and you began to walk with Jesus Christ in a pilgrimage upon the earth. And so let's think about the journey today, and let's seek to to bring some application from this verse of Scripture. Although it happened 2,000 years ago, there's an up-to-date message for you and me. I want you to notice, first of all, the place of the disciples. How could that be described? And this little phrase really stood out in my mind, and they were in the way. That's a good place to be, in the company of Christ. As they were in the way, they were in the way with Christ. They were traveling with him. They were walking with him. They were conversing with him. They were close to him. They certainly were laboring together with the Lord. And that's the place for the child of God to be. That might seem so basic and elementary to you, but it's so important. You want to be in the way, in the way with the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be in His presence. You want to be really conscious of His nearness. 
You want to walk with God. As Enoch and Noah in the Old Testament walked with God, the only two men singled out in the Bible with that testimony. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. And you want to be like them today? You want to fellowship with the dear Son of God? You, you want to serve Him? You certainly want to serve Him with vigor and with enthusiasm. There's no other way to serve the Lord but with a great excitement in your heart when you think of who He is and the great work that He's given to us to do. Now, it's possible, listen to this now, it's possible to step out of the way. And maybe that's where you are, to miss gracious opportunities to be with the Lord and to walk with the Lord and to serve the Lord and not to be walking closely with the Savior. The true child of God will have desires to live in this world close to the Lord. That's how it ought to be. You will sing or say in your heart, I must have the Savior with me. One of them there, one of them close by. I want to be to near, near to Christ in communion. I want to abide in His presence. I want to draw up close, like John the Beloved, disciple who leaned on the bosom of Christ at the Last Supper. I want to keep my times of fellowship and worship with the Lord. I don't want to miss out in any way. I want to serve the Lord with, with knowledge. And I want to know as I do so, He's right there with me. The one thing that kept the great missionary doctor pressing on in the work of the gospel was the gracious promise that we have in Matthew chapter 28. And you remember, it's David Livingstone that I'm talking about in Matthew chapter 28 the promise of the Savior to his disciples and the work that he had called them to do. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What a promise. It's the last verse of this gospel. It contains one of the greatest promises that ever fell from the lips of Christ. And you want to know that. You want to journey in His presence. You want to be in the way where the Lord is walking and to be able to say, I know that He's with me and I know that He's close by to me and that's where I want to be. There are times when our fellowship can be broken. Sadly, the Lord is at a distance and the fault is always with us, never with Him. Christ always wants to abide close to His people. Now, what things can can happen that, that might separate us from the near presence of Christ. I was thinking about this in preparation for today, and I thought about carelessness. Very possible that a Christian can become careless in their walk with the Lord and in the fellowship that they ought to be enjoying with Him. And I was thinking about the Song of Solomon and the chapter 5. And here we read about the careless bride I sleep, verse 2, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. I have put off my coat, how shall I put it on? I have washed my feet, how shall I defile them? My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my, my bowels were moved for him. 
I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands were dropped. My hands dropped with mare, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles. Verse 6, look at it. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. He goes on to say, I couldn't find him. You know what's happening here? This person has become careless. This person has become sleepy, if you like, not really discerning that the Lord is there. And so much so when he came, desiring fellowship, wanting to come by. This is just the, the, the picturesque language that is used in the, in the Song of Solomon, coming to the door, seeking to enter in, and, and yet you're so careless, you don't really fully realize that he's there. And when you do, it's too late. You go to the door and, and he's gone. Very often we just can't find him for a time, as was the case here. And so we can become careless. You, you never want to experience this in church. And you don't want to experience it in your private devotions either. I think it's a tragedy if you would come to God's house and you just left the same way. And you, you come because you're careless and you're not listening for the Lord and you're not paying attention to what he's saying. And it's so easy just to become sleepy like this, this bride or this dear one. And the Lord comes for fellowship, but then he's gone. And that can happen at home too when you miss out in your devotional times with the Lord and you have a careless attitude towards it. So carelessness certainly can break our fellowship and cause us not to be in the way with Jesus the way we should be in this journey. I was thinking of coldness. And you know, this is something that is really, really prevalent today. And we're not to be surprised by it because the Lord said it would happen. In the great chapter where he preaches on the second coming in Matthew 24. Do you remember he talks about this in, in verse 12 of that chapter? He says, the love of many shall wax cold. And that can happen to God's people. We can become cold at heart. And you just want to think about what the Lord is prophesying here because he's talking about the end time. He's talking about that, the spirit of the age in which he will come. And as far as the Christian church, because that's where the application is here, he says the love of many, not just a few, but many, will wax cold. And when that happens and our hearts are cold towards the Lord and towards serving the Lord and being what we ought to be, we certainly step out of the way and we're not as close to Christ and we're not journeying with Christ the way that we should. Something else can happen. Half-heartedness. Turn to, this is like a little Bible study for a few verses that I want you to, to note with me. In Joshua and the chapter 18 and verse 3, Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? God had given them the land. God had given them a command to possess the land. But these people were negligent. These people had got into a state where they had neglected the work that they ought to have done and gone in there and possessed the land. Why? Because of half-heartedness. 
that can happen to you and me as well. You know, Jesus says, occupy until I come. I want you to take ground from me. I want you to possess the land. It's the promise of God. And yet through this half-hearted attitude, this, this slackness is the word that the Bible uses here. We step out of the duty that we ought to be engaged in. And we're not in the way with Christ. What can I say about prayerlessness? Isaiah 64 and verse 7. And you read a verse like this, you ought to challenge your own heart about where you are with prayer. And here the lamentation is made, there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. What an awful thing when there's prayerlessness of that nature in the life of any child of God. You know, my friends, you need to stir up yourself to lay hold upon God. That's the language that's used here. And you can miss out with the Lord and you can stand at a distance because you're not drawing near to the Lord and you, you're not walking with, with prayerfulness every day and having that close fellowship with the Lord. Turn over to Revelation 2. As I think of what can happen in the lives of God's people and how we can step out of the way of being in the place where we should be. I often think of the first and the seventh churches here. These are the letters of Jesus Christ to the seven churches of Asia. And the first one is characterized by lovelessness and is the church at Ephesus. And in the fourth verse, having commended them for a number of things, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat or I have something against thee. And mark these words, because thou hast left thy first love. Can you remember when you were first saved? Really coming to the Lord with joy in your heart and thanksgiving in your soul? Seeing Christ really as the first time as the Redeemer and the Savior? Knowing what it was to be pardoned from your sin? Oh, the joy that filled our hearts when we trusted in Christ. And therefore, it was the first love. That love that is zealous, that love that is free, that love that is spontaneous. And yet here's a church, here's a people, and they left it. And certainly when you have left your first love, you're not in the way where you ought to be. You're not journeying with Christ as these men were in this particular passage of Scripture. And then if you just turn a page, you might have to turn a page to chapter 3 and verse 15, because here we have lukewarmness. I want you to mark verses 15 and 16, where the Lord says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. Then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And here's the lukewarm church. You can be a lukewarm believer. You're not on fire for God. You haven't got the heat of your soul within you for the things of the Lord. And maybe you're not even quite completely cold, but you're just lukewarm, coming out to the meetings, coming out to prayer meetings, doing a little bit here and there for the Lord, but it's with the lukewarm spirit. May God deliver us from that kind of attitude. We certainly are not in the way that we ought to be the place where Christ wants us to be. 
Can I mention one other thing that, that came to my mind this week? Mercilessness. Proverbs 21 always challenges me when I read a verse like this and verse 13. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. And when the opportunity comes and there is this cry from the poor needing help, if we stop our ears, if we close our ears, we do nothing. You know, the Lord says, we'll cry, but we'll not be heard. And if that's us, we're certainly not where we ought to be with the Lord. And I was just also comparing that with Ezekiel 34 and verse 4. There's a little bit of an elaboration here. The diseased, these people were being condemned for their sins. The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. And the condemnation here was particularly upon the leaders of the Jewish church. They didn't care for the people the way that they should have. They were mercilessness. Mercilessness could be written over them. Surely when we lack the Spirit of Christ, we, we are far from being in the way, in the way. And Jesus said to us, For I was and hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me meat or drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Or is the opposite true? For I was in hunger, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you took me not in. Naked, you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Dear child of God, the message here is very simple. You want to be in the place of the disciples. That place where they were at this precise moment. And they were in the way. I want to live as near to Christ as it is possible to be. As close as I can come. I want to feel the very heartbeat of Christ. Imagine getting that close to the Lord. Think of John again, the beloved disciples. I want my heart to beat with the heartbeat of Christ at the same rhythm, the same timing, to really know the Lord. If we could just get to that place, we would certainly have the testimony, I'm in the way where I ought to be. May God derive from our hearts every day carelessness, coldness, half-heartedness, prayerlessness, lovelessness, lukewarmness, mercilessness, and every other ill that would break our fellowship with Christ and cause him somehow to stand at a distance. In the midst of my weakness, with, with an old heart that is plagued with spiritual decay and disease, I pray with Fanny Crosby, hold thou my hand, just as we sang earlier. So weak I am and helpless, I dare not take one step without thine aid. Hold thy my hand, and closer, closer draw me to thy dear self, my hope, my joy, my all, the place of the disciples. Will you look further at the text and notice the position of Jesus? It says Jesus went before them. As they traveled that day, Jesus went before them. Don't miss what's happening here. 
Try to picture the situation as you travel in life's journey towards the new Jerusalem. Where do you want the Lord to be? Come on, Christian, where do you want the Lord to be? Well, you might say, I want the Lord to be beside me. I want the Lord to be traveling with me. I want him to be there at my right hand. Well, praise God, we know that he's with his people. The promise of his presence is guaranteed. But more specifically, you want the Lord to lead the way. And I see that illustrated here in this journey. Jesus went before them. May every Christian have this experience. If you've got major decisions to make, and I know that some of you have, you're facing decisions these days. There's many an individual, and I don't know exactly where you are or what decision you have to make, but you've got a major decision to make. A decision that has a great outcome. A decision that you make that could have big consequences. You want to make sure that you make the right decision, whatever it is you're thinking about, whatever it is that you're praying, and do what God wants you to do, making sure that the Lord is there. He's leading the way. You're following him, not what you want to do in your heart, not what you decide to do in your mind, not what the old sinful carnal man might do, but what the Lord wants you to do. Follow him. Let him lead the way. And young people, let the Lord be your guide. Some of you have started a new school. So important that as you go into school, that the Lord is leading you there. Some of you have started university. You want to make sure you start right and you have the Lord there. You're following him in university. And some of you may be entering into new employment. Let the Lord lead the way. Some may be even considering the will of God for their life with regard to full-time service. Maybe the Lord has been challenging you and I know nothing about it, but he's been working in your heart and you have those, those desires of soul to serve the Lord. Maybe you're going to be a preacher, a, a missionary, an evangelist, a children's worker, a missionary of the cross, and you're pondering these things. Let the Lord lead the way. Follow him. I say that to our Ukrainian friends. You have decisions to make, and some of them have made some of the most important decisions uh, of their lives, even recently, to return to Ukraine. Massive massive. And for the girls that have arrived for Masha and, and Dasha, let the Lord lead your way and direct your path. You've come to Northern Ireland and you're going to settle in. We trust by the grace of God these days. Follow the Lord. Let him guide you because that's the best place to be. Don't run ahead of the Lord. Let him direct your steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He orders our pathway if we're walking with him. Know the experience spoken of by the psalmist in that verse of Scripture that I've mentioned. It's the Psalm 37, verse 23. Allow him to go before you and prepare the way, and therefore you can walk confidently. You can walk confidently the path where Jesus leads knowing in your heart this is where he wants you to go. This is what he wants you to do. This is the decision that he would want you to make. Oh, what confidence, therefore, we can be walking with the Lord in this life. You might be facing a difficult future. There might even be dangers lurking. 
Think of these men, the journey that they're on. They're going to Jerusalem when there's going to be trouble, especially for the Lord. He speaks about it here. We'll come to that in a moment. Alfred Smith, the hymn writer, said, I do not know what lies ahead, the way I cannot see, yet one stands near to be my guide. He'll show the way to me. I know who holds the future, and he'll guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow with its problems, large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. Note the phrase. Please get it into your heart. Jesus went before them. And let it be so for you and me. Whatever your circumstances of joys or sorrows, of high mountains or low valleys, let Jesus lead the way. And may it be so for everyone. And may it be so for the two girls, especially, that have come. Big decision to leave their land and to leave their grandmother behind. Then notice, please, their pronouncements about the disciples. It shouldn't be Jesus went before them. That's what you get for cutting and pasting. Look at the text. Look at our verse of Scripture. Verse 32. Jesus went before them, and they were... Now, notice what's being said about them, these pronouncements about them. They were amazed. They followed. They were afraid. Now, there's three things mentioned there. You picked them out, I'm sure. Amazed, followed, and they were afraid. As they were going up to Jerusalem, the disciples sensed the danger of their mission. Trouble was ahead. Persecution was looming. Deep and dark trials were to crash in upon these disciples. The road was about to become very difficult. And we're told here the disciples were amazed. Maybe that's a reference about being amazed at their Lord and their Savior. He's going before them. He's leading the way. They saw in him, therefore, a a demonstration of courage and bravery. We sometimes don't think enough about the courage of Christ. Remember, he possessed real humanity, just like you and me, with all the, the emotions of the human soul. It took a tremendous amount of bravery for Christ to walk straight towards his fate at Calvary and to walk in front of the disciples. He wasn't afraid to stand out in front of them. This can be contrasted with our fears and cardice that so often envelops us and even overwhelms us when confronted by danger and opposition or difficult circumstances. May we learn from the Lord. (coughs) Stand for Him. Stand in front instead of lurking in the shadows. Be out there to lead when it comes to standing for truth. Then notice the disciples followed, and I think we can commend them for that. Knowing something of what lay before them, the dangers and the great opposition at Jerusalem, and the Lord's just about to elaborate on that. We'll, We'll mention it in a moment. But all that in front of them, still they followed. I want to follow the Lord wherever He leads me. It might be right into the conflict and into the battle, but that's where I want to be if the Lord's leading It might be into deeper and and darker trials and experiences. It might be to endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. It might be to bear crosses and experience losses. 
but I want to go where Jesus goes. That's the point. Jesus himself leading the way. And then you'll notice the disciples who are afraid. To my mind, it's perfectly understandable and it's perfectly perfectly natural to feel this way. These men were no different than us. They were not super Christians. Sometimes we get it into our mind, Peter, James, and John, the other men, they were some kind kind of superheroes. They were not. They were just like you and me, ordinary people. Even like the great heroes of Old Testament scriptures like Elijah, who was described as being one of like passions, a man of like passions as we are. We commend him for his faith and his courage standing against the prophets of Baal and all the history that, that surrounds this giant in the faith. But Elijah was an ordinary man, and that's what the New Testament tells us about him, of like passions as we are. Not a superhero, and these men were not superheroes either. These men possessed the same nature as you and I, but still they followed the Lord. You and I may have many a human fear, fear facing opposition. Do you feel like that? Maybe young people in school and university, you, you have fears because you're afraid to stand for the Lord or in the workplace. Some of you are worried about tomorrow. Some of you are giving maybe a witness to other people. You're worried about it, how they'll react, even in the family, how they will receive you. Standing for for some of the issues of today, you're afraid. But even though we are afraid, still follow. That's the message here. These men did. Don't hide. Don't give up. Don't remain silent. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Following Jesus every day by day, nothing can harm me when Jesus leads the way. Darkness or sunshine, whatever befall, Jesus, my shepherd, is my all and all. And just as we close, there's the prophecy of Jesus. It says he began to tell them what things should happen unto them. And he elaborates on it, doesn't he? We'll not take time to read it in depth. The next two verses but he's telling them, I'm going up to Jerusalem, and he's going to be delivered. He's going to be condemned. He's going to be mocked, scourged, spat upon, killed. And these are the things that he's telling his disciples are going to happen. Jesus had already told the disciples that he was going to be crucified and rise again the third day. And remember back in Mark chapter 8 and verse 31, and he spells out his sufferings here again in black and white. Think of it. The betrayal, the condemnation that he was going to face, the mockery, the scourging, the spitting, and how Christ would be killed. This is what is before me. One of the disciples to know what was going to happen in the journey now to Jerusalem, what was going to be the conclusion. And my friends, as we follow the Lord, wherever he goes, we might face some of these sufferings, in the pathway ahead that the disciples certainly did. And we know much of the sufferings and the opposition, the persecution, the beatings, the imprisonments, and even martyrdom that most of them faced. Such can be in the journey with Jesus. I look back over church history and I I note such times. Our fellowship area has many of the great heroes of the faith that suffered 
suffered for the Lord, were persecuted, had great opposition in their ministries one way or another. But they stood for the Lord and they followed Christ. May God give us courage to do just that. Whatever comes our way, and as we are in this journey with Christ, may we be close to Him and know His abiding presence with us and stand for Him and for His glory. Amen. We quoted from the hymn 439. We're going to sing the hymn in closing. I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he has blessed me, tongue can never tell. Following, that's the message today, following Jesus in the journey of life. anyone needs to talk to me, I'm always here. You need guidance, encouragement, need to share a burden, need prayer. We're always here. Heavenly Father, help us to be in the way and to follow Christ. With the Lord out before, directing our paths, helping us to make the right decisions every day in matters small and great, 
Oh, gracious God, we pray that we will prove the Lord and live a joyful Christian life and know a successful Christian life, living to the glory of Christ and in the victory of the cross. Dismiss us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll ask um, the girls to go to the door. Make them welcome just as you leave. Don't stand and talk to them. We need to get out. But uh, do pause for a moment and make them welcome. Thank you.